Hello and welcome to the Greater STL Sports Podcast on the all-new SG4L Media Network. Robert Bolton here with you. You can tweet the podcast at GSTLSP. You can tweet the network at SG4LMN1. You can find us on Instagram at Greater STLSP. And you can find us anywhere else. iHeart, YouTube, Facebook, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple, anywhere you can find podcasts. Videos going up on YouTube and Spotify and Facebook every time we do a podcast. Find all that at Greater STL Sports Podcast. Now it's a it's a fun time in sports, definitely with the baseball coming back. And if you're in St. Louis, you know the hockey team going to the playoffs. You ain't got much else to root for. You can root for the the lost two team, whatever they play. And, you know, I'm just, I'm not the biggest spring training guy. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing if you watch it and do all that. And, you know, whatever you do. If, I mean, if you enjoy it, you enjoy it. I'm, I'm watching the games. There's no doubt about it. When it's on, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing what's on. I'm paying attention. But it's crazy how some people, like, take spring training games and like take a three and all record in spring training, and say, "Oh my! Oh, look at the Cardinals already! Look how great Newbar's doing! Look at the stats that Kisner's putting up!" It's spring training. I mean, this has happened before. We've we've had people with the batted a hundred in spring training that have gone and hit thirty home run seasons. I'm, I'm pretty sure Matt Carpenter was in one of those spring training slumps one year. Maybe it was Holiday. Who cares? And I wouldn't like I just, I just, I just get mad that I see every day like someone doing something, someone trying to help their team better. I mean, and seeing the money we got, I just don't understand how it doesn't happen. I know there's not much left out there, but this 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 is a team that is in need of a starter and huh. Is it probably in need of a another productive outfielder because you have essentially four question marks out there. Five now that you've had a Corey, the great Cordy Dickerson. And Tommy Pham, you know, a guy that's played here, you know what he does. Maybe he didn't have the best way of going out. And yeah, let's just let him sign with the Reds. Who had way better stats than Corey Dickerson? And I'm not trying to, you know, it's hard to compare it to. I understand what you need in the Cardinals lineup. And Corey Patterson, or Corey Patterson, former Cardinal Corey Patterson, Corey Dickerson provides you with that, a left-handed bat that used to have pop, that hasn't had pop in a good three, four years. There's, and you have a guy that's been a proven 20 home run hitter no matter where he goes. They, for some reason, just love the guy in Tampa Bay. He loves Tampa Bay, even weirder. But we don't need that. Like my whole whole thing is the is the Harrison Bader thing. Why we think that Harrison Bader is like the second coming. And I understand the defense. Yeah, but I see it out there that 
Bader's the number two center fielder in the league because of his defense. And the second half of the year last season. And maybe it was the National League. I mean, the number two maybe on paper, if you just say he's going to do what he did last season in the second half. But I don't see Harrison Bader being like this star player. Yeah, he's got the swag. He's he's the guy you're going to put out there in your commercials and out there for the schools. You know, good-looking kid. Has, you know, a little bit of swagger term. Knows how to talk. But they're like, he's some kind of second coming. And it was nice seeing him go out there and do what he did in the second half. And go out there and get, you know, a guy that could show that he might have a little pop that he's shown before. But it's not like he's like some... This almighty guy that's been doing it for three, four, five years. He's played good defense in center field. But he's essentially been a starter for the last four years. And hasn't batted higher than 260. Supposed to be the fastest guy in the game. Hasn't stole more than 15 bases. Not saying that he's been in productive spots in the lineup, but his best season was this year with 50 RBIs. And I think the problem with him is you want that speed and that little pop-up in the higher up in the lineup, and he's just not good in that position. Because he's not the bad at an average get-on-base type of guy. And I understand you can put Tommy in that spot. But what's Tommy in a year from now, two years from now? Other than the, he could be a super utility guy. Is he the starting shortstop? Do you do they finally give up on DeYoung and just ride with Gorman and Edmund? Or do they ride with Sosa and let Edmund be that super utility guy? I mean, you're backing yourself a corner in certain situations because when Tommy becomes something else, if you don't have him starting or whatever, what they plan on doing, let's just say they don't have him starting, well, who's the guy that takes over that leadoff spot? I mean, do you guys want a guy that's at second base with some pop? Do you want him batting first in the lineup? Do you want a 20, maybe a 30 home run guy batting first in your lineup? Sounds nice. But I would think you would want that guy in a more productive spot in your lineup. You're two through six hitters. Essentially what Harrison Bader's become is your seventh, eighth hitter. I mean, you're going to have a lineup that has, there's going to have their DH probably batting ninth. I can't think of who, where you, how you would make a lineup without the DH batting ninth. Unless you have Sosa in that lineup. Maybe a DeYoung batting ninth, playing short. Maybe, maybe you put the shortstop down there. If Corey Dick, but do you, do you, do I trust Corey Dick? It's only Anthony Barber. What I've seen out of, you know, a couple seasons of Paul DeYoung. I don't. I expect about the same thing from all three of them. And that's that's a little bit hate on Lance, Lance Newpar. Lars. <laughs> I keep calling him Lance for some reason. I know that's not his name. I'm not trying to hate. And I'm not, you know, I should say his name height while I'm, but I'm not trying to hate on him at all. I'm just saying that, that you're putting this guy in the 
position to say, hey, you're, you're, this is you. Young kid, you know, essentially only got a cup of coffee in the majors last year. Did play a little longer than, you know, what a typical cup of coffee is. Showed good defense. Showed a little bit of pop. Showed, showed, showed. But wasn't consistent about it. And his defense has been a lot more better than I thought. I think maybe he was uncomfortable at first being up on the major league roster. But he's, you know, he's starting to show some speed and starting to show that he can go out there and get the ball. But defense wasn't that thing I was worried about. I mean, there's only eight position players and you had five gold gloves with another one almost able to get six and Yadier Molina. So I just think the Cardinals have backed themselves in a spot. And which I complained about in the last podcast is in a very easy, on paper, a very easy, easy, is a very easy and winnable division. I mean, the Reds just gave up on everybody. Sonny Gray, um, Suarez, Winkler, Castellanos, Garrett, even though they did get a starting pitcher out of Garrett and Mike Miner, who's a pretty good starting pitcher. But if you got some good starting pitching, after you get past Shadi in this lineup, I mean, what do you really expect? You're going to have Bader, DeYoung, and a DH. Or Bader, Sosa, and a DH. Are you really expecting that to be productive? And I'm not saying that it can't be. I'm more or less saying, why put yourself in a position where it has to be when you have the money to spend? It's just not a gettable thought in my mind. It's not the way I would think. And I'm not saying go out here and get a $300 million player. And I'll keep harping that I'm not saying that. But a 15 to 25 guy? To pitch your payroll about 170, so still be 60 million away from even being close to the luxury tax. You're still 60 million away from it. And you're not gonna, you don't have to put yourself in a position to where, where you don't, you can't bring up the young guys in a couple years. Most of these guys are taking six-year contracts with the opt-outs after, you know, every couple years. I'm sure the teams are throwing buyouts in there somewhere, you know, uh, you know, you got a hundred, you know, after four years, we can buy out this contract for five million and you do what you do. No matter what you did. Plus with a team that's getting older in certain positions, first base catcher, Third base, starting pitching is starting to creep up on you. That you're going to have people interchanging in a few years in the first place. And I just don't understand how some teams can go, just go, and you can just see that the teams go for it, and you just sit back and say, well, if we make it to the playoffs. It's a crapshoot when we get to play, you know, and that's what they always, you know, when we make it to the playoffs, it's anybody's game. 
Blah, 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 blah. I mean, you have three teams in the NL East just going for it. I mean, the Rockies are even making moves. And I understand that you've had, you've got the contract right now that you get paid for, by the way, for a lot of it. And you got the big contract of Goldschmidt. But that's about it. I mean, your main names are on one-year deals and Yachty and Adam Wayne, right? And then the, the rest of the players are fighting arbitration right now. And I actually didn't, out of the players that signed on that arbitration thing, I actually didn't think J John Flaherty was going to be that guy that was going to sign his contract, that was signing. I thought he would at least fight. You know, and Tyler and Bader fight over 700 thousand dollars from the team about and I'm sure that somewhere in there that you know the arbitrators are probably either split it up or you know side with one side you know is what they usually do which I'm sure it's not a number the Cardinals are worried about but people are getting mad about that why not get what you can for cheap this is what this is the process you're not going to fragile play I mean the players go through this all the time You got to players understand that the teams are going to try to get the value that they think is worth it. So I don't think this actually, you know, makes the relationship with Tyro O'Neill fragile. And maybe you shouldn't have even thought about trying to make, you know, trying to put any scorn on the relationship after what you've done to Jack Flaherty over the last few years. And maybe he signed because he's injured. And maybe that's a smart way to go and he was injured last year. So why not just take this cool $5 million and, you know, pitch when I can. Understandable. But I think that they done fractured the relationship with him where he's just going to, until he doesn't have to take their little offer anymore, that he's not going to be, that after that, he's not going to be a Cardinal anyway. And that sucks to say. I mean, it's not like this is the first time this has ever happened. Tommy Pham, speaking of. So it's just real, like, mind-blowing. Really mind-numbing, not even mind-blowing. It, it, it almost is, hurts my brain so much to even think about this. I, it's hard to even think of the, if you have the money there. And I guess I don't know the exact cardinal numbers or what they claim the numbers are. But if I'm, I'm sure, I'm pretty sure that if teams are out here covering $280 million a year and you just signed this $1 billion contractor with, or whatever it was with Fox Sports at the time and now Bali Sports. I'm sure you got a little money to spend. And I can understand some teams wanting to show off and show off what they've drafted and what kind of young players they picked up in the international draft and all that, what they've spent the money the right way, blah, blah, blah. But you're no, you know that you're a couple years from it. 
you know at this point right now that you're probably not going to have a Gorman up this season, at least till rosters expand. Well, rosters are going to expand twice now, but we'll talk about that in a second. But until September. A Yepis is about your only shot. Now, Donovan has made a case for it because he's shown a little versatility playing third in the outfield and also being a left-hander. But I think they think he's a couple years away. So your best shot's going with an unproven guy at DH than what you have on the roster, which doesn't make any sense to me. Definitely when the league itself puts you in a position to add an extra bat to the lineup that needs it. You might as well throw Rainwright out there on his day. I think Miles hit a home run, a couple home runs, or at least a one home run a, a year or two ago. You might as well throw him out there. See what he's got. You might, you, that, that's, that's how I feel at this point. And maybe you don't throw Miles out there. Maybe you don't throw a Dakota out there. Anybody that's been injured. My whole beef is that you got two guys fighting for the same spot that do the same thing. And maybe Corey Dickerson does have a little bit of a track record. But it was years ago. Multiple years ago. Three to four years ago. The last good season I've seen was 2007. That I'll count as a good season. And I know the rules are all different now. The way that people, you know, I don't talk much of the Sarah metrics on this thing, this show. I, I hate it. I think it's one of the stupidest things that ever happened to baseball. I, I, a lot of it doesn't make any sense to me. War and all that. Wins a, you know, like, you can make any number look good. Eric Sabater was a four of war, basically. 3.9. Tommy Fan was a 1.4. And essentially, and I'm sure because he plays center field, you know, the defensive metrics help Bader there. But essentially, Bader just had a better batting average. That's about it. So here's a guy that you could switch out when you need to if somebody's struggling, that has a little bit of pop, that's been here before, that has been in multiple positions in the lineup. That you can move around a little bit. That's been open. Wanted to go back to Tampa Bay. Said he'd go back to Tampa Bay and play first and learn first base. And like I was almost like for sure they were getting pools at one point. Wasn't even a thought in my mind that they weren't going to get pool. And now I don't think they are. I don't think a pool host went on social media right now and begged to come here. That the Cardinals would even give would even think about it. I think if Pools back here right now to come on a million salary, I don't th I think that the Cardinals would you would read that the Cardinals were involved. But I don't think that he would be here. And that's disappointing in a sense that not just in the pools, but I mean that's anybody that's out there now.
And some of these guys that, you know, that have a good report, and you see Zach Thompson going out there and having a horrible evening the other night. Like, some of these guys that have a little bit of trade value now, maybe need to go, maybe a Zach Thompson needs to be traded for an upgrade for a starting pitcher or maybe a bat. I'm not going to go as far as Libertor. But you got some other guys down the pike. A Jordan Walker. Who I understand is a young age. And probably don't want to give up on that yet. But you pretty much got his position filled all around. With Gorman and Tommy Edmond and DeYoung and Sosa. And for now, Nolan Arenado. A Brendan Donovan's another one. A young guy that you could probably trade off to a Miami or a Tampa or an Oakland for some kind of starting pitching. I mean, you see some of these traces some of these teams make, and it's just like, you know, a couple prospects for Oakland's best pitcher. And I understand that Oakland's just trying to get rid of money right now. But why are the Cardinals not involved in that? Why do the Cardinals not have a Chris Bassett? Why do you not hear them in a Frankie Montez or a Sean Massett trade? You know, and it's always funny how the Cardinals always tweak off on these stories. Like, at first, the Cardinals are in it with Trevor Story, or the Cardinals are in it with this guy. With a Joe Kelly. And then the last story you read, well, his, his off, the Cardinals never made an offer. His four offers were from, you know, Houston, L.A., you know, Chicago, and whoever he signed with. And I believe that the Cardinals were in on Corey Dickerson. And that's all, I, I, honestly, at that point, that's all I believe that they were in on free agents. I don't think they were in, a, in any sort of free agent thing with any other major free agent. Should have been with starting pitching. And knowing that you need another, and you you could say Yepis, and you could say all that. But are you going to trust Yepis in the field? What happens when Bader starts off like he did last year? What if Tyler O'Neill doesn't have the success he had last year? What if Dylan Carlson, or Dylan Carlson, you know, maybe because of 2020 being a short season, in 2021 being a little different because of COVID, and now COVID being a little less, and then MLB is not going to test for much COVID anymore. Then he might have finally hit his slump. And then all you got now is a throw young kid like Newbar out there, and then hope he doesn't slump. Or you throw Corey Dickerson out there, who you hope gains his pop back. And I'm not, I don't want to hate on Corey Dickerson. He was a 270 batter last year. That's not bad. And 300-something of bats. So he can get on base still. The problem is that what you talked about and what he talked about was hitting for power. And essentially you got him for a DH spot where you're going to need, you need some production out of him. I mean, I would rather have, rather have Brad Miller. You're, you're, you essentially gave the same contract to Corey Dickerson that Brad Miller had. And Brad Miller could, play, could be that super utility guy. The Tommy's probably going to end up being when Gorman's here next year. That's what Brad Miller could have been this year. And when anybody struggled. He, he, even, he might not be the greatest shortstop in the world, but he can plug. And Tommy can move right to shortstop. See, I just don't get it. 
There's proven commodities. There's a commodity you had in Brad Miller that you know what he can do. And then there's Corey Dickerson. And now with the MLB expanding to 28, now a lot of this is going to be pitching. And, and I wonder who the car, and you'll probably see a Helsley up here or somebody like that. And I don't know who else you bring up because, I mean, that's basically your bullpen. You didn't, you know, you didn't put much into the bullpen. I'm sure a Van Hegren or somebody like that will be on the roster. Somebody that you didn't think would be on the 25 after spring training that's going to be on, or 26 after spring training, that's going to be on that 28 for, until it resets. And that's essentially so you, if your starting pitcher fails, you're going to you have to have somebody to pack them up. And after the Cardinals, at that point, I go back to Jake Wolford. I don't even try these KBO guys again. I go, you know, if you want to play this, you know, this game that you're playing, you might as well, if, and you've had Jake Wolford up here for the last two years, give him a shot. You know, you already ruined one guy, Nasimeno, whatever his name is, that you keep bringing up and just let him lose every game, knowing that he wasn't major league ready. If you're going to throw like that, a guy like that in the four or five stars, why not just let Jake Clifford go until he's not good anymore? Until he can't do it anymore. Because that's the position you put yourself in. So give me all this nonsense about young talent that you've already gave me, but prove it to me. I don't want to see these KBO guys in there. I, I want to see the young guys that you got bringing up. And I stopped complaining about the Cardinals. because, And it's it's funny how this MLB thing worked out. I just said the 28 thing. But now all of a sudden, you know, they're best friends. Every rule, every rule is a yes. The ghost one rule, which is having a runner at second base and extra thing. Yeah, sure. The Otani rule, which... That whole rule never made sense to me in the first place. How it even if Otani comes out of the game as a pitcher, he still can. He, he should still be up at the bat. He's like he don't have. He's still a batter in that game. I mean, there's no rule. I mean, I, I guess the rule was that the, if, if your pitcher hits, I guess you, your pitcher always hits. I guess that's how the rule works. But yeah, let's disagree with that rule. Uh. Up in the lineup, or up in the rosters, because we needed a full month, and we're only getting three and a half weeks, and blah, blah, blah. Of spring training. You know, and that, like, this happy, oh, everything's fine, let's, let's agree on these rules. This shows you how much of a sham that whole thing was. They're getting something out of this that we're not knowing. We're going to see a revenue thing from these double headers or something like that. And I'm sure that they were, I'm sure that it is. I'm sure that ESPN, when you got them double headers going, ESPN can buy a you know, a Boston-New York game during the day for a doubleheader, and they buy a, a Cubs-Cardinals game at night or the other way around. And I'm sure when they're buying, then you see Fox Sports making money because ESPN takes away art. They might get a pick out of that. But that's going to definitely up the viewership because of ESPN, which is going to help revenue. So somewhere you're going to hear this is about money. And I'm sure at the end of the season, they'll say, oh, we lost money here. We might have gained it here, but we because of that, we lost money here. That's all you're going to hear about it is what they lost. 
just funny that they all agree now. It took them so long to agree on this CBA, and they were at th this point they were so close, and the next day they were so far apart. Just it, it just proves that it was all a sham. Now something that I kept saying wasn't going to happen did happen. As the St. Louis Blues made a trade for two defensemen, one that goes to the American Hockey League, and the main one is Nick Letty, and he got traded for Oscar Sunquist and Jake Wallman. Which is essentially just a fill-in-the-gap trade. Let's try to shake something up on the defense. Which I'm glad that they, they try to do that. No, they did it with a guy that's got a minus 33 plus minus. Now, they put a bunch of stats on Twitter. I went to go look for them and I can't find them. But, it's hard for me to like a guy that has a minus 33 plus minus on the ice. That means that when he's on the ice, that the team, that hit, when it, he's on the ice, the opposing team scores 33 times more than his team did. And now he was playing on a bad team in Detroit. So probably playing minutes. And before that, he's playing on a bad team in the Islanders. So probably playing a lot more minutes than he was probably used to. Probably not his thing. Probably not the number, you know, the top six, the top two, to top four defensemen. Excuse me. A top four defenseman like he probably was in Chicago or anything like that. But it's just a fill-in-the-gap trade. And if you're a guy like Michaela, I mean, and this is what I said, that they had to put fear in somebody. Now Michaela knows he's probably that seventh guy. So now he's going to step it up, definitely being the seventh guy, with what I said they were going to do with Terrence go out and a little worried about Thomas with the concussion. And then, you know, Bozak and Terry Troy Krug. And it, you know, and it happens with every team. We played a beat-up Capitals team and beat them 5-2. And they were just as beat us up as up. They were playing seven defensemen. Like I said, this is going to happen. This is bound to happen when you're getting in a stretch where teams are tired, teams are injured, teams are going to find ways when they're coming to the stretch of the player point to rest their top players. Like you didn't see TJ Oshie in that game. Find clever ways to do it. So basically it's in the playing time when it gets to the stretch to when you need them. And I'm not, I'm, I'm happy in the trade in the sense that you're probably going to get to see a little more Mackenzie McCarron. You're going to get to see a little more out of Nathan Walker, who actually scored a goal against Washington. Crazy that every time he plays, it seems like he's out there scoring. Even a one, he's got five goals and one of them was a hat trick. So, it's, it, you know, it's a little easier to have to look like you're scoring every game when you get a hat trick in a game. But some of these guys that produced in the middle of the season, and it looks like a guy like Torpertenko might be that guy that can take some up some ice, a big body guy that can take up some ice like a Sunquist did. No guy that's go out in front of the net in the front of the net the other night. So maybe a guy that can go down there in the trenches. And the the Blues has seemed like when they the other night after the trade, that that's what they were about. They're going going down and trying to get the dirty goals. 
And they just seem like a whole lot hungrier team. I mean, I couldn't believe, the way Brandon, Brandon Shen is playing is crazy, and I couldn't believe that people wanted to trade this guy. I mean, he looks like a whole new player since he came back from injury. The way Perron's playing. Before this. And I'll say, I'll say one thing about Letty, the minus 33 and all that, you know. You know, the game before that, Detroit played 25 minutes. He only played 20 for the Blues. So he played, you know, a period in the game, basically. But cut down his minute times. He is, he, he gets the puck out of the zone. He, he starts offensive drives. He gets the puck across the deep blue line. And that's what you that's what you need. You needed somebody that's going to get the puck out of the zone and protect the, the goalie. And if he can just fill in a, be in a fill in a blank guy and play with Bertuzzo. And play 20 minutes a game. And just be out there to eat up ice time and eat up space. I mean, that's kind of what you needed. And if you got a guy like that that's going to go do that on the power play, you can get the offensive guys like Falk and Paranko in there. You know, offensive defensive, flies, offensive defensemen. They, they do a little extra. So I'm not going to sit here and like say it's the greatest trade in the world. I'm actually disappointed in the trade. I actually think if you were going to put something on the defense, you should have did it with Walton. And I guess you could say a trade is makes a little a shakeup. I mean, makes more of a shakeup than saying, "Hey, we're gonna healthy scratch somebody." But healthy scratches have always worked too. And it's not like it's costing the Blues a bunch of money, which isn't, which doesn't really bother me. You know. He's not five million five point five million dollar guy, so he's gonna get about, you know, a little a little over two fifty to finish out the rest of the season, or two point five million to finish out the rest of the season. And I think the Blues are getting paid for that, or trading Sunquist gets them, got him around. However, that worked. I just really like Oscar Sunquist. I just thought he was that guy that. And he's shown it. I mean, you, you've seen that guy coming off the ice limping almost every time he comes off the ice. He's, he's getting in the way of pucks. He's going in for the hits in the corners, doing a lot of forechecking. I mean, he was your guy. Yeah, he's, he's the guy in front of the net on offense. And I guess if you can feel a little more comfortable with your defenseman, if you feel a little more comfortable, I would feel, I guess I would, Automatically already feel more comfortable with Letty than I do Nicola. Then hey, we can we can actually start someone where we can dig deep down into and find our spot in front of the goalie and make these plays, get the dirty goals, put screens on plays. make a crazy pass that like Side made the other night when he was down there trying to get a goal that basically just flip it around and pass it to O'Reilly. He was right on the other side. Something you haven't really seen a lot from the Blues. Which I will, I have, I, I, I might not have complained on this podcast, but yelling at games, it always seems like when the Blues pass it to a certain side, nobody's ever there. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious.
and the Blues are just pass happy in the first place. But it's different if you're if you I mean you're gonna have some passes that go in the net if you got some guys down there blocking the goalie's vision and playing in the dirty areas. You're gonna have some easier goals. If the defensive are more focused in on there, you're gonna have some open space in the middle of the ice that gives a guy like a Kyrie or a Tarasenko quality shots at the net. And I kind of, and Kyrie just needs to shoot more. I kind of feel like he's in falling to the Robert Thomas thing, where he's just all of a sudden getting pass happy and trying to make the play. And I just think with his skill and how fast he is, it passing the puck is probably not the best thing for him, because <laughs> he can he can make the play to get past guys, and I think he just should use that more to his effectiveness. Which he does, but it just seems like he's passing up the puck. Which is okay in the right situations. I just think as a young guy, of course, like Thomas, that you don't want to be like, oh, you know, I shouldn't have took that shot. Or, man, if I, you know, you look up after a shot and you see that somebody might have been a wide open and you don't want to be that young guy to be like, oh, man, I messed up there. And I think that's going to be in your back of your mind sometimes, definitely when you're in your 20s and these guys are in their early to mid-30s and have established themselves in the NHL. So I kind of feel for Cairo and Thomas on the, in them situations. You know, like I said, this was already a team built to win. And so this Nick Letty trade isn't like the end-all be-all. Maybe we've got a Lip Balm or a Gorganu. Maybe something like that. Maybe a Giagiano, whatever his name is. Maybe then I, then I would say it would make a difference, but this was just a plug-in guy. This is the guy that's to put everybody on their toes on the defense. And if he played like he did the other night and get passes the exit of the zone like he did, just think when you get a guy running around the ice with Tarasenko and Thomas out there, just extra guys for Kyrie to have open ice. And it's just and when when they all get healthy and you go back to six defensemen and twelve, and that's going to create more opportunities, isn't it? When you're running eleven guys, I mean, automatically is going to be less opportunities because you're going to have defensemen at times who're going to think like defensive players and not want to shoot the puck. So like a, when you're on that fourth line, like um, Logan Brown and Nathan Walker, or the other, like they had to fight for the chances, and like like I said, they both looked good. Nathan Walker gets a goal, but. Logan Brown looked exceptional, and I, I, I just don't, and I, like I said, I think he's following the Robert Dutuzo thing, where they're like, uh, we know what we got, but let's, you know, see if this guy can be better. And I think in the long run, you're just going to find out that he's not, or maybe he, they just think he has a mental stability to be like, wait, when we need you, we're going to need you. And this might be that time. Because you never know what a Trevor Tangle's really going to show up to be. You never, you don't know what a McKenzie McCarron is going to be. Nathan Walker might have been great in these first nine, ten games he's played, but you're not, you don't know exactly what he's going to be. So if you you know what Logan Brown could do, you can just, and you know you can just throw him right back in the lineup. 
maybe I'm harping on something that I didn't even think. I just think he should be in them. I just like the way he plays. And I think we need a couple more of those old boots. But then we're sacrificing scoring, and I get it. But there's guys that can do that. I mean, look at a Tom Wilson, even though he's not, like, the greatest example. But he's a skilled player that will go out there and protect his guys. And I think Logan Brown could be that guy. And I think that's why we miss his ex Stanford. I mean, how much would you love to have Ryan Reeves on this team? Because you see in the last game with the Blues getting the penalties, and they, a lot of these penalties were take a t- ticky-tacky penalties, but both teams were getting them. I mean, it just, teams just go out there and just pick on the Blues. And you really can't have that with young guys. Like, you can't... That's, that, that can break the psyche of a young guy getting picked on like a Thomas or a Kyrie all the time. So I don't think that's something you could have. And maybe a guy like Laddie, he's a, a veteran in the league is a good guy that can go and be you know and and help out in those situations like it wasn't a big deal that Bertuzzo was trying to do it the other night even though most of his were just cross-checking you know getting pissy about things and cross-checking people but when you're going 11 and 7 and you're you know you're yeah we got an extra guy like I'm gonna go out here and you know I'm gonna take the risk but I'm gonna protect my players and that's why I like him on this team. I mean, Michael is about the only guy that I think on the Blues that I actually don't like. And that just might be a homer thing. But I think you've, you've, you've had a pretty good season and you've... I mean, this team's been pretty much structured together to where... I mean, it's hard not to like, it was hard not to, it's really, I mean, I'm still, I'm still hurt over Sutcliffe not being here. I was starting to like Jake Wallman a little bit. Now, after one game, I can, you know, praise all these things that Levy did and say I liked him, but it's been, it's one game. As we found out earlier of the Cardinals, you know, I mean, you know, not everything impresses me. And I mean, that's hard to say when you're not the, guy doing the sport. But I'm just saying, as a fan, in, in my eyes, you're, you're going to have to see it a little more. But, like I said, the Blues just did a smart thing. They weren't giving up quality players or draft picks for rentals. Or for guys that have high pay contract, you know, the, you know, you're gonna, you still have to pay half the contract, and you don't know what you're gonna get out of. I mean, I pretty much think that if you went around and saw and heard everything, do you think that, that people would think like that, that, that somehow this guy's a genius? I mean, it's some of the trades he pulled off. I mean, you hear a little bit about Chase Thompson a little bit, but not, I mean, being a Buffalo and them being a bad team probably doesn't help. I can't remember the last time I heard about a Robbie Fabry. 
Lori, Lori, Lori Laterra. I mean, there's a lot of guys that were shut off this team that from, from decent years, that we had decent years, they got us to this point. So, I mean, I just think it was smart that the way he go, they go about their business. And, 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 I, you know, and I get on the corners for going about it that way. But he, they picked and plugged players in positions before, when they knew what they, they kind of knew what they were getting. And you still had guys to back it up. You still had the James Neals, the Troy Browers of the world. You still had the guys around. But once you knew what you were going to get out of somebody, you, hey, Troy, you know, go have fun in the press box. You know, hey, James, if you want to play, you know, we can send you down to Springfield. James, like, okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But we've had, we, we had him around. We had a veteran guy around just in case we didn't get the production we thought we, we were going to get out of some of the young players. And we got it. And of course, salary cap's not helping with that too much. But we pushed, we put ourselves in that position where we're pushing the salary cap to win, to keep a guy like an O'Reilly, Falk, Crew, Shen, Tarasenko. Eighty-nine. I, I I don't want to say his name anymore. Bustadov, Bustashev, Bustadov, whatever. Pablo, to keep him, to sign him to a big deal when he got it, when we traded for him. Because as these guys get older, they're going to move around. You're going to see a guy like a Bushnevich go to a the second line. And probably Kyrie go to a first line. And at, at times, and you see it with Shannon Bolzak also, have they moved down to the second, third, and fourth lines. And a guy like Thomas has moved up. I mean, it's, it's just the evolution of hockey. But if you still have them guys, even though it's going to be in their later years, and they're still good hockey players, and you get to get to develop some of your other guys, get to develop a Jake Neighbors, get to develop a Clem Clawson, hope a little more, hopefully. The McKenzie Karens, Dakota Joshua's, Nathan Walker's of the world. Now you don't have. Now you don't have to spend all that crazy money on free agents. Now you don't have to go out there and make trade crazy trades to put yourself in winning position because you've been doing it by this little pick, pick and piece here until them guys came up and made you an established hockey team. So I'm just glad that the Blues didn't handcuff themselves. You say you might have took on. A little bit of money here. But you didn't break the bank. You didn't risk any salary cap casualties. And you still got all your young talent. And all your draft picks. I mean I think that's just an instant win-win in any situation. Whether it's any sport. So I just think it's. Just the, it, the Blues are just a better version of what the Cardinals are doing. And a bit of a better version of it for a while. 
I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say every free agent works out. But somehow we get rid of them when we need to. But, I mean, just the little ones. The Pat Maroons. You know, the, the Troy Brower I mentioned earlier. You know, it's just the little guys like that to where now you're, you're getting to see what a Cairo can do because he got to develop a little bit. You're getting to see more of a Robert Thomas because now some of them older pieces have gone or moved down the roster a little bit and now you're getting to see him shine. And then you're also be able to go and trade a, for a guy like Bush Nation and sign him to a contract because you've you signed a guy like a Pat Maroon, but now you had to let him go, and now you got some open contracts place. Now you traded a Sammy, a Sammy Blaze, and open up another position, another a position for another guy that you think is a better score. So I, it just makes it seem like that I'm just hating and hating and hating on the Cardinals right there. But when there's a proven track record, you should probably go with that. And, Cardinals will have one and the Blues do. Alright, we're going to take a break. This is the Greater STL Sports Podcast on the SG4L Media Network. Podcast at GSTLSP. You can tweet the network at SG4LMN1. You can find us on Instagram at GreaterSTLSP. You can find us on iHeart, Google Play, uh, Apple, anywhere you can find podcasts at Greater STL Sports Network. You can find the videos also on Spotify, Facebook, and YouTube at the same spot, Greater STL Sports Podcast. I said network again. <laughs> We can. I. What's kind of cool about Spotify with the videos, and I never paid enough attention to see if I could do it with the audio podcast, but I can put polls or questions all up. I guess one of the new questions should be: How many times am I going to say "network" on this show when it's the Greater STL Sports Podcast? Number two, am I going to get Bunasheva's name right, or did I get it right? Did I finally get it right? I don't know. <laughs> I will get it right. I will get it right before the first of next year. I don't even know what the day is. I'll get it right before April 1st. That's my new promise. Now, there was an actual a little controversy at the NHL trade dump deadline. And Vegas made a trade for a winger. Made a, a tra- traded away winger. Evgeny Davinoff. Probably didn't say that one right either. That could be another poll question we can put up. Did I say his name right? To the Anaheim Ducks. Now they got 
Agelny or Danoff. I'm not going to say either one, right? From the Ottawa Centers. And what's being reported is that the Senators never told them. The Golden Knights is that in his contract, he had a 10-team no-trade, and one of the teams on there was the Ducks. Now, the whole crazy thing about this is it, it kind of feels like that somewhere here to, from what you're reading. Now, go think the people from Las Vegas haven't said that yet. But that they were never informed that this was in his contract. Now, the deal is, is that the agent is actually supposed to report the list to the NHL by a certain date, which is sometime in June, which is crazy because I guess it's supposed to be reported for the beginning of the new year. Now, it says that basically from the Golden Knights statements where they said they became aware of an issue with respect to the trade we had been consulting with the league office. That they knew nothing about this. Now, if they traded to get this guy from Ottawa and they were doing it to clear up cap space, trade him to the Ducks, wouldn't you have read his whole contract? Like, even if Ottawa traded to him and said, here, here, here's his contract. Don't, wouldn't you get a copy of his contract now that he's your player? What, has Ottawa just got that stashed away somewhere? Like, if I'm a business guy, and I hate reading stuff, the South Park episode of the Human Centipede kind of scares you. almost makes you always want to read something. But I'm really bad at reading the fine print and everything. Except when I got it involves money. Or a, a binding contract. Definitely one that's costing you five million. And you could tell it was a salary and the salary dump that Vegas needs because they're about to get Mark Stone back and another player because they took on the contract of a guy that hasn't played in two, three years and Ryan Kessler, who was a good player in his day. The problem is you would think that they would be aware of this because this isn't like the first time this has ever happened. And how, I don't know if it's the agent's job to tell the team that he submitted, you figure that the agent would be like, all right, just let you guys know, submitted that uh, 10, team, uh, 10 team no trade clause thing, just so you guys know. But I guess his only obligations to the player, so why would he even say anything to the team? I mean, it's just crazy to think about it, you wouldn't have read that contract. And the funny thing is, the last thing is the time this happened, it actually happened with the Blues and O'Reilly trade with Tate Chompin and Patrick Berglund. Is his agent never submitted the 10 team uh, no trade clause. And he got traded to a team he didn't want to play for and ended up 
getting healthy scratch and just quitting NHL hockey and now is playing over in Sweden or whatever. Who was a guy that I hated? And I think he wore number 19. I, and I guess he did because Paul used to wear 19. So he had to wear a different number. But I hated Patrick Bergman. <laughs> I hated him with a passion. I just felt like there was so much there and he didn't care. He wasn't the guy that cared. And some people that make that money, they don't. Understandable. They're just there to make the money. A Scott Rowling type guy. Really doesn't like playing baseball. Really doesn't like dealing with it, all of it. But hey, it's easy money. But it wasn't like that that was 27 years ago. That was three years ago. And I don't know if you're the Ottawa Senators, if you should have to disclose that. Like, wouldn't you think that they'd be kind of hip to the game in the first place? I mean, isn't that your job? Isn't that what you have lawyers for? To investigate these type of things? I mean, before a contract signed, wouldn't you think you'd have to read it? So before he comes to your team, he'd have to sign a new contract for your to your team for no matter what it is. What do you think that somewhere that would have got read, like, would have, someone would have read over that? I mean, it kind of blows my mind to think that it was an afterthought, like, oh, we traded him. Oh, we're going to get all this and this and this. And then like, oh, no, the, the, the NHL's coming after us. What did we do wrong? It's crazy that it even happened. I don't even remember hearing about it that much with the Patrick Bergen thing. And I guess because this one got caught. But I don't even remember hearing it. And it's funny because Vegas tweeted out right, you know, right after all this happened. And they tweeted that, you know, the NHL, you know, public relations tweeted out that that trade got canceled or whatever. They're like, oh, welcome. Welcome back to the team. You know, go Vegas, go or whatever their little hashtag is or you know, which another thing I don't understand is some of the hashtags. I guess the STL blue one is just too easy. STL blues. I mean, that's just easy. I mean, I guess it would be hard for like CHI Hawks. And I guess it would be, you know, same thing with Nashville. I guess easier just to say go Hawks go or go Preds go. But like, you're, you're just trying to run a guy off for money. And I can't believe that the guy didn't go. Because, I mean, Anaheim still has a shot at making the playoffs. So I'm surprised he didn't go to, to, the, to them on a team. That, and he's going back to a team that didn't even want him. I mean, do you healthy scratch a $5 million guy? I mean, is that possible? I mean, I guess Buffalo did it with Patrick Berglund. I mean, that's a situation that you that they put themselves in. You're almost forced to play the guy. And you're already disappointed in the in what he's done for you. That's why you're getting rid of him in the first place. And because you're getting better players back off the injured reserve. 
But now do you think it's going to get any better? I mean, it just blows. It's, the, the Cardinals blow my mind, and this whole situation blows my mind. And now you got to wonder if the Blues, like, number one, was Ottawa playing the game and, like, well, like, you know, it's going to be hard to trade him off. I wonder if they know that. And, it, and when the Blues did with Perkland, did they know? Was, the, was Doug Armstrong a genius again? And did he know? Then it wasn't submitted. I mean, it's, I, don't, I don't see how an or, a major organization can mess something up, up like this. Like, if you told me this happened in, you know, the ECHL or whatever, you know, whatever's over there across the the ocean or, you know, happened in the XFL or something like that, I could see it. But the National Hockey League, that's, whoa. I mean, it just makes Vegas look like the, the, the dumbest people in sports. Definitely but really bad at a time when you know, your fans are going to see that and go nuts, and you're struggling, and you've fallen out of the playoff spot, and you don't know how you're going to get these guys back on your roster now. I think Stone, they have to clear up $9 million of space, which they do have players that they can move to injured reserve. But still... I mean, you're a major sports team. And you didn't read a contract. Or maybe they just didn't think that they submitted it and thought they were going to get away with it. And I'm sure this will all be ended up sealed and all that. And we'll never hear the exact saying. And I'm sure that to protect the brand that the NHL won't let Vegas say anything or Ottawa say anything or the Ducks say anything. Just like, uh, yeah, we got our guys back. I think the Ducks said, well, welcome John Moore back. Whatever. He gets healthy. Just, just, just funny stuff. Just some of the funniest stuff that I've seen on, that I've seen in the, the news today. Funny. Now, another thing that i also seen that's kind of crazy and I guess we're just going to switch off on MLB and NHL topics today. Which, I have an NBA one to talk about. Don't worry, people. But there was a lawsuit that was brought by players on DraftKings against Boston New York Yankees and the Houston Astros basically suing them for $5 million saying that they were messing up the game of steel by stealing signs. And I don't know if the Yankees were actually involved in that. I think that was just Boston. But somehow the Yankees got involved to where the judge has unsealed paperwork or as a, a judge after Two years ago, that a judge ruled to unseal the paperwork from the case, that they're going to unseal more paperwork for this, the case about sign stealing. And the Yankees aren't happy about it. And 
and from the way that sounds, that can't be a good thing if you're not happy about it. Because it kind of makes you look guilty already off the bat. And I think it was something about, I think it was Boston actually reported the Yankees using iPads or something like that, or a camera in center field. Uh, and of course, you know about Houston using their camera in center field that are beating on trash cans. Which I guess was easy to pick out. It was just a little more obvious than, you know, using iPads on the bench. I mean, there was so much in this case. People watching a feed from downstairs that they're not supposed to be watching in the clubhouse and relaying signs when they changed and all that. I mean, there's crazy stuff in here that these teams were doing. And now you're, if, if it just comes out that this kind of make the MLB look bad for what they did to Houston and only going against Houston when the Yankees are already making themselves look guilty. I mean, you're kind of putting yourself in an NFL jam when you're the MLB here. And the NFL, I mean, the Brian Flores, the John Gruden stuff, I mean, that's kind of all blown over a little bit. With the way free, free agency is going crazy and the trades and all that. The offseason. You're kind of becoming the new scapegoat, the scapegoat sport. With the way the CBA thing worked out, which, you know, the MLB shouldn't look, look bad with the way the NBA has been locked out twice in the last 20 years. You had the NHL locked out for a whole year before. I mean, it was thirty. It was almost thirty years ago now that the MLB was on a strike. But the way that everything went down with the CBA, and now you got, and then with the Tyler Skaggs thing, with the way the minor league players, you know, that's still brought up the way they they're treated in the minor leagues, and now you got the science stealing thing going on. And now this could kind of blow up and that you kind of maybe jumped the gun and just went after the Astros because of what people see when you kind of knew this case was going on. And maybe the Astros thing is so different, maybe because they felt like it was so blatant and then maybe they, they felt like that New York and Boston stopped doing their things after this. But I can't picture that, that you wouldn't investigate it all three at the same time. If this was all going on and this was happening, why wouldn't all three be investigated and, and punished equals or punished for what would be deemed for, for the crimes that they committed? I mean, people got fired over this. People that weren't, weren't the Astros anymore. I mean, Carlos Beltran was a manager in New York. It's going to be his first season as a manager. And A.J. Hinch in Houston now, and now he's stuck in Detroit. Alex Cora for the Red Sox. Who ended up getting his job back with the Red Sox. So you got to really feel bad for Carlos Beltran in that whole situation. Which he's, a, at the time, he's just a 40-year-old guy trying to win a World Series. 
and he he basically got the most punishment out of anybody. Because it's kind of blown over at the players anyway. They still get booed at times, but you don't hear much complaining about, you know, the stats are changing for Alex Bregman or Jose Tamu or anything like that. Altuve, God, with the names. I, uh, and, I knew, and I knew I said it wrong when I came out the first time, and I still repeated it. But Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman. You know, and, the, and the, the, the old guy got punished out of it. The guy was becoming the first high manager, too. And now, the, and I'm sure that, you know, with Buck Walter, he might just do that transition back into Carlos Beltran. You know, you get a couple of good years with Buck Walter. He's an older guy. Probably, you know, closer to retirement than he is to having, you know, a decade-long run. So maybe that's this year transferring to back into Carlos Beltran. Maybe he gets a coaching job there soon. You'll, it, it probably is something like that. But none of the people that were Boston in the time got punished. None of the people at the Yankees in the time got punished. And, I mean, could you have some kind of repercussion? Five years down the road after, I mean, I guess the players union ain't really protecting the coaches. So it might be a little easier to go that way. But I'm sure there's some kind, the coaches have, you know, some kind of protection there. For like, hey, you know, this is five years ago. And this is stuff that like, like nothing compares to what, you know, beating on trash cans and all that. Or, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be some fights here. And now I see that they were coming out with some new technology where it's kind of like an armband and then the infielders and the pitcher got something to have with them. The catcher just types something in, types the pitch, types the location and all that. And it moves in the, it sends a, you know, a generic voice to the, the ball player's catch and they can just move around and, you know, know the pitch is coming without having to even worry about that situation at all, which is kind of cool to think about. I mean, get the technology involved as, much as you can. Definitely in a game that needs to go quicker in the first place. So if you if you can call pitchers without having to throw 50 signs, you know, you know, because they're always changing up the signs when a runner's on second, you know, they're throwing three, four, five different sets of signs down when a runner's on base to try to get them to get the player to steal the sign anyways. You got players stepping off, you got or, and you got the pitcher stepping off, catcher coming out to the mound, sometimes the pitching coach coming out, then feelers coming to the mound. I mean it's it's unnecessary delays. And maybe that's what you do at this point. Is Instead of punishing the Yankees or the Red Sox or anything like that, you just say, hey, now we're going to implement this now because, you know, this stuff had to come out. You shouldn't have blocked it. You should have let everything happen at the time when it was happening, when we had to get rid of the Belgian of the world. We had to get rid of Alex Cora. We had, you know, for the year. We had to get rid of A.J. Hitch. So, I, I, you know, it's just, I just, I don't understand why the Yankees would even put themselves out there and say, let's block it. You know, they've been going and trying to deal with it for a couple of years. I would, I would just sort of flow and be like, you know, we got to take our whooping. So we'll see what happens on that one.
Now, it's crazy to think about that one of the hottest coaches in the NBA used to be the head coach of Mizzou basketball. And God, would I be... Would I, would, would I not love some Quinn Schneider days right now? And from, and from what I read, it was you know mostly Ricky Clemens, if you remember that whole story, Ricky Clemens and getting a bunch of free stuff, and Ricky Clemens saying that everybody got free stuff at the time. For, and uh, Quinn ended up saying, yeah, I had some other guys over at my house for meals and stuff like that, which I don't think he can do that anymore, but I'm, you know, you know, boosters giving people money for the jobs that weren't done and stuff like that. Which would be essentially be an NLI now, I guess, or NIL. But that guy is like one of the hottest coaches in NBA basketball. The Lake the reports of him going to the Lakers, reports of him replacing Popovich with the Spurs. Both teams he actually was an assistant coach at. That guy's the guy that his first head coaching job was at Mizzou. And if you read his story, it's crazy it's it's crazy how that worked out, even after the Ricky Clemens stuff. He was he had a, a bad start to the two thousand I think it was eleven season. And the athletic director at the time, Mike Alden. Had the commentary, who the commentary guy, Gary Link, who's a, who's a great guy. Love him on the radio. Love him as Connor. Never met him. Great guy from what I know. Loves Mizzou. True son, all that. You know, great. But went down and told Quinn Snyder that he he's gonna get fired at the end of the season. You had the commentary to that. You couldn't do that as yourself. So yeah, I probably would have quit in the middle of that season too. But the guy that coaches the Utah Jazz is the hottest coach in the league. And that's just crazy to think about how far he's went from coaching in the G League, uh, assistant coach in, in Philadelphia, assistant coach in LA, assistant coach in uh, across in Russia. That guy's matured, and, and you know, go read some of the stories about him. The guy, that guy's matured enough to, you know, be one of the high com- commodities in the league. And the, 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 jazz, the, the Jazz haven't signed this guy up yet. Now, I, you know, I read on Wikipedia, like, the Jazz signed him to long-term contracts, and then you read about two years after they signed him to these long-term contracts, he signed another one. And they just got a new GM and Danny Ainge. You know, and some GMs, it's like when they come in, they want to get their own crew going. You know, and Quinn said all the right things by saying, you know, this is where I want to be, and I plan on being here for a long time, and I think it's bad to even talk about it or bring it up. It's disrespectful to my players now. It's disrespectful to the, to the organization I coach now and the other organizations. So he said all the right things. And I'm, 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 I'm really surprised that he wasn't even mentioned in, the, in most of the Duke conversation. But I guess when a guy's got a, a cozy NBA gig, why would he even think about going and having to recruit and run around and all that? And maybe with the problems he had at Mizzou, maybe he wasn't the guy 
that people thought could be a good coach. And it's not like he has like some crazy squad up there in Utah. They have a good team. Jordan Clarkson and Mike Connolly, Rudy Gobert, uh, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gay. I mean, they got a nice little team up there. But I guess it, you know, when you, when you, when you, I guess when you're in your run game, you take that run, you know, people, make you feel superior, I guess. I don't know, it's just crazy to think about that that could be the guy, and, you know, he'd be a younger head coach from some of the coaches in the league, but, I mean, with a league that's getting younger, you figure that Danny Ainge might want to go get a younger assistant, maybe a blank of her. And I'm sure there's some other assistants in the league that I don't know about. And maybe he would want to go at a guy, maybe he had Boston. Instead of keeping a guy around like a Quinn Schneider. But that's just probably how much Quinn's evolved. I mean, he, I mean, if you're going to go coach a team like the Lakers with a LeBron on the team or and Anthony Davis, I mean, you're going to have to be a player's coach, and maybe that's what people know him as now. I mean, he, he used to be a real crazy, fiery guy at Mizzou, and he's still got that passion. But if you see him out there on the court when he's talking to, like, Don, like, his whole conver- his whole time he's on the court in timeouts or anything like that or a free throw situation, he's just talking to Donovan Mitchell and telling Donovan Mitchell, hey, you should have done this, or hey, on this next play, let's do this. Or off this, you know, rebound, blah, blah, blah. And he's a foreign player, so he might, he has that kind of player mindset. He, he never, he wasn't an NBA player, but he played a dude. He's worked under some great minds. Mike Krzyzewski, obviously. I mean, Mike Brown had some good seasons in Cleveland before he went to L.A. Greg Popovich, when he was coaching... He was in the circles with Greg Popovich when he was coaching the G League for the Spurs, the G League team for the Spurs. So he's been groomed under some good coaches. And you, you I mean, you could see like a guy, maybe like a, a guy like LeBron wanting him because he's played for a Coach K on the Olympic squad and maybe feels like that Quinn has that kind of same mentality and that's where he learned from. And yeah, this is the kind of guy I want. Over here. And maybe in the San Antonio situation, you see the players that he can coach up and not, you know, your top, you know, top five players, but, you know, you're, you know, I would consider Donovan Mitchell probably in the top, one of the top 10 players of the league. And then he's got one top 10 player, and then he's got a cast around him. I mean, look what he's made that to, and, you know, to a team that's catching up to the standings with the Warriors for the third spot in the West. I mean, with the Lakers, the team that they had, I mean, even Portland at the beginning of the season. But then you also have Golden State. You have what they have in Phoenix before Chris Paul got hurt. 
you wouldn't think that the Jazz would be up there fighting for that third spot in the Western Conference, and maybe you, you could see how much that team has grown and be like, well, I mean, that's probably a lot of Quinn Snyder's fingerprints on it. And in San Antonio's situation, this guy's been here before. And maybe we see something of him that we've seen, and, you know, and it's way different now than Poshman's coaching for 95 years. But knows a little bit about the situation and how things work here, and maybe he can produce what he did in Utah. And I'm a, and I, you know, I was kind of disappointed when Quinn left, and we had some good Mike Anderson years, too. And not bad Frank Hathiers either, until he screwed us, and then when he screwed us, and then he left for Tulsa after he. He screwed Mizzou and cost the scholarships and postseason bans and money and all that was posted. Then we hired Kim Anderson. Just don't tell him. And then everybody's like, I hate Kim Anderson. You know, it's crazy to think about this. You know, Frank Hayes. I mean, you almost wonder if Frank Hayes here now. And maybe Quinn Snyder needed the Mizzou thing to be where he is now. And I'm sure he would have got another job somewhere else being a protege of Coach K in the long run. But from time being a, a Big 12 coach to now coaching a top four Western Conference team in the NBA, I mean, that's not bad at all. I mean, it's I'll take it. You know, he had to go. He had to go through it, though. It's not like he, he just went from Mizzou to Utah. Mizzou to Utah to be one of the hottest commodities in the NBA. Is this not? I mean, this when the last time you heard about that? Kind of cool that one of the best players in the league from St. Louis. I mean, the hottest coaches. Used to coach your college basketball team and one of the top players, the top maybe the top player in the league right now. It's from St. Louis. I mean, it's nice to you know, nice to see a little Missouri basketball going around the league. I mean, in, the, in Bradley Beal still, and there's not much other representation. But, hey, I mean, if we got the, the best player in the league from our city, repping our city a lot, and get to see Quinn Snyder be, you know, be one of the top coaches, like, I'm not mad at it. And it's kind of funny today, another story I've seen, is that the mayor in New York said Thursday he's going to hold up vaccine mandates for all athletes in New York. Of course, when, by, when the Yankees and Mets started. I mean, if you think about it, that's essentially 162 games in your home state where you, you're going to take some of your best players off the field. And people probably aren't going to go to them games and that's going to generate less revenue. It's at least a little easier to go than Brooklyn Net games, 
without Kyrie, because you're still going to see Kevin Durant. And at the time, you're seeing Durant Harden. You know, you see the playoffs starting to roll up for the NBA and the NHL, which I, I don't know how many players are unvaccinated in the NHL. But you see about the time the NBA playoffs roll up, which is about, and, and New York is usually a big thing. It's going to have to be with Brooklyn, but it's a big thing. And then 162 games of baseball, I mean, you kind of have to make a revenue decision at that point. And I understand with, as he said, 8.8 .8 million people and 30 million opinions, why he had to stance that he did. He says he's just trying to cover his ass if, you know, a bunch of people start dying. And, you know, then every week they're coming out with a new COVID variant and this and that. And, you know, I understand protecting the people. But sometimes you, you just have to relax. And, and you know, and some, some people are prone to get sick and some people are prone to not get sick. Like I said, I might feel I, like I, I said in the last podcast. I'm not feeling all that great. I, you know, and I'm and I'm a when I'm like regular sick. When I got a cold or nothing, that, that's nothing. Hey, just, you know, blow my nose. You know, do what I gotta do. When I'm like really like sick or like pain sick, which I kind of am right now. Like I'm a, the biggest baby in the world, and I'm I, I'm probably being over dramatic about it and all that. But I never got COVID. <laughs> so I mean, some people are lucky and some people aren't. But it's sometimes you have to relax. You have to look. You have to let people do their jobs, and that's just for athletes. I mean, he's. I think sometimes soon he's going to do a, a rollback for the for the kids and all that, which protect the young kids. All yeah, I'm a big understanding, understandable where he's where he's at with all that. I just don't know how close you get to athletes to, for that to cause any problems. I guess when they're sitting close on the bench, you can also affect the workers or other NBA players. So I understand it a little bit. You know, and all these towns got to, you know, feel, I don't want to call it woke, but I guess I'll call it woke. And luckily, we live in a Midwest city, which kind of both well for us because our Maybe it's a little different than where it is where people got to be like, oh, it's New York, it's New York. You know, it's not, and, you know, you don't hear much about St. Louis. And believe me, there's some crazy, crazy people out here about this whole COVID thing. I'm talking about, I was in like, in a place where, you know, you, you have room to stand around people. Like I was, I was standing in the hallway with multiple other people. So there's, I mean, you don't, you can be six foot apart. And there was multiple benches and all this and places to sit and, you know, all fine and dandy. And the ladies running around with their babies like, I got to take my baby outside. Because of all these gross people and people who just don't give a F about other people's lives and all that. Like, are you that crazy, lady? Like, at this point, 90% of the people have been vaccinated. And there were people wearing masks in there. 
But you could put yourself six foot apart from somebody else. And supposedly he doesn't spread that. So you could have went anywhere else in you, but you're going to run and scream around here and tell everybody how gross they are and how much they don't care about. You know, how are you going to tell me what I want to do? Or how I feel about it? I feel like I didn't want to be six foot next to you in the first place. So you're making it the problem because I'm, I'm nowhere near you. And you're going to, you know, and I'm not the person that, you know, really cares about, it. you know, I probably giggled about it. And there's multiple other people in there, you know. And I'm surprised, you know, the, the anti-vaxxers didn't come out and defend themselves or anything like that, you know. They, you know, they let that, you know, just let the crazies be the crazies. Let Karen be Karen. Which is kind of nice. As I got myself off topic. But what I'm saying is about the whole mask thing. It's just time to let it go. Or the vaccine thing. It's time to let it go. People are going to... I mean, people have already picked their side on it. And I'm saying after you get the vaccine, you can still get sick. And I, I mean, I think I thought after the boosters and all that, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I want to be safe just like everybody else, to be honest with you. So I really, I, you know, and it's hard to be safe, I guess, if I don't read up on it. I just know I haven't gotten it yet. And I know that when I see you, unless we know each other, like, you know, good friends, but mo most of the time, if I see you and I know you, hey, it's going to be a nice little wave and walk right by you. But, you know, if it's my family or, you know, good friend, yeah, you know, handshake, whatever. We've been six feet apart recently, you know, six feet in front of each other recently. It's not a big deal. But yeah, hey, you know, let's keep each other safe. Six, six feet, six feet. So I understand you had to set a precedent at some point. But, you know, it's just over the facts. Like, you, you're not going to force anybody to change their mind after so long. I guess unless they get sick. I mean, people are still dying from COVID. Like, I was, I was reading a story today. Someone, you know, some famous person died from COVID. The, the creator of the gift, actually, died from COVID. And I, I thought this crap was over. And you just see something like that, and you're like, I mean, it, people are still getting COVID. And I guess it's just going to be something just like the flu. You're, you're going to get sick. And I guess since it's out there now, I mean, it's, 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 it's out everywhere and it's not going to stop. But I guess since they got all the, just like they got the flu shot and they got all the COVID shots and they got, you know, the flu, the, uh, I don't even remember where the shots you take when you're kids for other diseases. I was going to say flu pops, like, and then, you know, my brain actually said, don't say it like you said, I'll, I don't even know what I said earlier. I can't even say it again. Altuve or something. Whatever I said. I didn't say Altuve. I can tell you that that much. But, what, you know, I, I guess it's, it's just a thing that's going to be around. Which you can't dispute. You know, the people that dispute that COVID's even real. Like, you know, it was fun to do it in the beginning. 
you know, definitely when you didn't get it, when you, <laughs> you didn't get it for a while, you know, you know, it was like six months in, you didn't, and like, oh, go, you know, only the celebrities are getting COVID. You know, I never heard anybody with COVID, and then all of a sudden, you know, people in your family start getting it, and then you're like, oh, you know, uh, uh, kind of slipped up on that one a little bit, which I didn't go around them people. I, you know, honestly, I would stayed around the people if it wasn't around Christmas time I probably would have stayed around the people away from the people a lot longer than I did and I guess with the medicine and they were actually vaccinated when they got it so you know you, when someone gets it you know when family gets it you, you, you don't kind of screw yourself at that point where you're like oh man I gotta go see these people <laughs> but it's still a thing it's still a possibility to get it now. I mean, I don't know how many vaccines and boosters and all that you have to have to not get it. And maybe there's still a chance of you getting it then. I mean, it's people that get the flu shot get the flu. People that take cold medicine still get the cold. Well, I mean, it's not like something. That, I guess. I guess I should have thought that out before I said. It. I guess it's just around. I guess the stuff just doesn't go away. I mean, you can fight it. I guess that's like life too. Life doesn't go away, but you can fight it. All right, we're gonna take a break. This is the Great STL Sports Podcast on the SG4L Media Network. <laughs> Sports Podcast and the SG4L Media Network. Robert Bullsby here with you. You can tweet the podcast at GSTLSB. You can tweet the network at SG4LMN1. You can find us on Instagram at GreaterSTLSB. You can find us on iHeart, Apple, Google Podcast, and Spotify, Greater STL Sports Network. And you can find the videos on Spotify, Facebook, and YouTube. At Greater STL Sports Network. I didn't do weird news last week. Mostly because I was pissed off with the Cardinals. And the Trevor Story thing. And. You know. Blues Twitter. Like they're going nuts over the Blues. Which you, you're starting to see that. Some of them. Te- all the solid teams are going. Kind of in a little tailspin here. Towards the thing. But in Florida of course. And this is on New York the NewYorkPost.com, which is one of the funnier websites because I feel like a lot of the stuff on here is kind of, it's kind of reminds me of the Huffington Post almost, but they actually have like real, like real writers, like real, like legitimate writers. I think Joe Sheehan writes for the New York Post and that's a known baseball writer. Before Florida men were busted for installing devices inside gas posts to drive prices down to nearly nothing, And set prices at per gallon cost plunging just pennies 
for a gallon and allowing pumpers to fill almost up for free. Now, they allegedly pulled this off at two separate circuit K's in the state of Florida. Now, how, you want to have, like, these guys got caught? This is one guy got caught stealing gas at one of these circle K's. And then, they're stealing diesel fuel, actually. And another one was cuffed two days later at the same gas station at, inside the pump, trying to install a vice, device inside a pump. What's kind of crazy about this is they had remote controls for it and everything. Which is crazy to think about. That you could kind of control that shit. That's kind of stuff. And that I guess they were stealing it and reselling it. I guess that's the only thing that becomes logical. And I'm not a guy that like complains about gas prices too much. Number one, because I don't drive anywhere. I basically go to work and go home. But you gotta pay to play. And with all the stuff that inflation already has gone up on, you, you're gonna pay for gas. You're just you're just going to. It's just a it's a responsibility. I mean, I guess in these days, the people, this is the way people are robbing and stuff. Like, you might be able to think that you can just go to the gas station and just, you know, steal some gas. And, I mean, that's what, that's part of the thing that hurts inflation is people stealing. Which, I mean, some people that steal it and you, you have to you do what you gotta do. But the people just, just do it just to do it because they can get away with it. I mean, that, that, that that's what really kind of hurts prices on everything and stuff like that. Why milk can go from, you know, to... 50 a gallon a few years ago to four dollars a gallon. Now, the funny thing is, I keep reading about it, that these barrels keep going down and they're about the same prices, but they're still scared about the war in Russia. So, so we got to keep prices the same just in case. Kind of sounds like someone's trying to make some money here to me. And we really can't complain to St. Louis because you see these gas prices everywhere. I mean, the gas prices they show in this. Florida picture almost seven dollars a gallon, and I seen somewhere in Missouri that was actually like three thirty nine a gallon the other day. So I mean, I I'm really not going to sit here and complain about four dollars a gallon. But I kind of wish I would have found this. You know, the credit card hack. You know, that doesn't sound no fun. I mean, that that sounds like you know credit card fraud, which sounds like a, a big thing. I guess in this situation, this could be some kind of fraud, defrauding the gas station. But I like to get some free gas once in a while. You know, you, you always see the gas stations that give out free gas, and you never, like, they're never, like, close to where you're at. It's always, like, in some, you know, Egypt, Missouri, or something like that. And even when it it's close. You, there, there's people waiting at the gas station, you know, three miles down the highway. So I can understand wanting to do it. I just don't understand how people can think of this stuff. And how, how would that even work? How do, how do you how do you get the device in the gas pump? 
like it's got to be different than opening the guest book than just popping that little thing off the credit card machine. That's essentially all it is. You, you know, the change of paper on the credit card machine, you, you just pop the thing off, put the paper in it. The old school way, back when I worked at gas stations, which is this point five, six, seven years ago. I didn't get free gas then, matter of fact. <laughs> Anyways, this is your news story for the day. Now they're going nuts over there a little bit in that U in the the UFC realm over there. Now this Kale Sinan thing kind of trips me up. Now Kale Sinan beat up supposedly like four, five, six guys and a girl because one of the guys was talking crap to his wife, and they dropped the charges and all that, and the charges. Are not being rebrought, and a couple of them could be felonies, and got brought with 11 charges. And, hey, you know, in that situation, not really going to hate on Kale Sonic for what he, if he felt like at the time he had to defend his wife. But my whole thing about that, about ESPN, is you knew this was happening. You probably know more about the case than the average person. I'm sure it is his job, and I'm sure you're getting filled in about it and all that. And you're just going to take him off now. And there's something going off, of course. But why is, if you're ESPN, why do you remove him now? Why don't you let the courts do their thing? And if if he's bad then, then he's bad then. And this one was hold backwards anyway, because wouldn't you think he'd be taken off the first time by ESPN? And he wasn't. And ESPN's the one that made all the statements, but it, I mean, I wonder if UFC has something to do with this, where they would say, hey, you guys, you know, if you guys were wanting to do this, you probably should have done this a little bit earlier. Then take off one of our lead guys, one of the guys that, you know, brings eyes to this. And this, this ain't going to stop Kale Sonnen from doing his YouTube show. So he's still going to have opinions. He's still going to get his word out there, and now you're not getting that. After you waited all this time to deal with it when you knew this was coming. And I just think it's the freaking culture. It it was it's I mean, the Deshaun Watson thing's a whole different thing, but he's not getting charged with anything. But I think someone put said like 20s plus women can't be wrong. And I think that you might be wrong there, that there's a possibility, but it's a thought. And maybe Kale threw the first punch and they, they, the people felt like they had to defend him. And when they said their statements, they're like, well, we felt like we had to defend ourselves because this guy was going nuts. 
but essentially five on one, five dudes with one girl against Kale Sonnen, which tells you how badass Kale Sonnen is. That he's out here beating up six people. That there wasn't no, like, you know, some different, some kind of like, hey, well, Kale had to defend himself because all these guys came after him. No, he's the only one getting charged in this thing. With everything. And he's getting charged with one felony for use of strangulation. I I haven't seen the video or nothing like that, which I wish I would. My whole disappointment with the, with the ESPN, and this happens everywhere. It used to be innocent until guilty. Now it's, well, you're guilty now until we do our investigation. Until we deem that you're not guilty. You don't start off not guilty. You're, you're, we're, we have to deem that you're not guilty for us to feel better about the situation. That's essentially what ESPN is doing here. And I just don't think, as a business owner, and I understand that ESPN is a whole lot different than Running, you know, any business that I would ever run. But essentially, I I wouldn't want to have my, you know, the people that are involved in my business feel the same way about me that I feel about them. So I would, you know, I would want the benefit of the doubt too. And there's just no benefit of the doubt anymore. And it's, it's just the way that the world works now. You can't be on one side of anything. And so you're not getting all this crap on Twitter and this, you know, with the social media monsters and all that. You know, who wants the backlash? Because when this is all settled, who's going to get the backlash then? Because if this gets settled, you're like, it's not like it's a John Jones thing. It's not like it's a Greg Hardy thing. It's not like, hey, that guy's out there beating up his wife. You know, he's he's defending his wife in this situation. So this is an easier thing to blow over. And I guess, so this is the easier way to go about it. But man, I'm, if I'm Kale Sonnen, I, I would feel disappointed that my employer would be like that towards me. I mean, there, I, I lived in, when I was a manager at a restaurant, you know, we would all, you know, you'd see the cameras and when the manager, the GM would be like, you know, this wasn't right today. Or this wasn't right today. Or this wasn't right today. You know, you'll watch paint and you actually you'd see people stealing, but it's, it wasn't like it was a fight. Like, ooh, looks like they did something right there. It was like, all right, let's watch it from this angle. Or if, it, you know, if you only had one angle on it, it was like, let's watch this. What does that look like? What does that look like to you? What does that look like? There was multiple opinions. And before it was even like, hey, you're fired. If we deem that you didn't do this, then we'll bring you back. That's essentially what happened to Kale Sonic. 
That's what happens with American American gangster. That's what happens that, when you get charged with eleven acts of battery against six people. That's some gangster ass stuff right there. Believe me, you won't see that on the news about me <laughs> anytime soon. You won't see that on the news about me with one person. Like, oh, he got charged with battery for beating up one, but no, too old for that. I think me and Kale might even be older than me, so and he's you know he's still out here doing it. And I'm sure when some guys get out, they're still training and stuff, even though they lose a lot of weight and they kind of form back into their normal body. I mean, I'm sure they still have a drill and pump in there where they have to get it out somehow. Caleb just took his out when someone talked to his wife funny. So I didn't, I just wish ESPN would have said, we're going to look into this. You know, we're going to slow Kale's, Kale's schedule down so he can focus on other things. But hey, you know, we're going to support him and we're going to put him on TV as much as we're getting. We're still going to let him you know, work on his podcast. You still, Kale ain't going to stop being Kale. Kale's going to be on YouTube talking about this. So, I mean, in a time when, you know, Jim Ray Rubber is the big thing, he can just move that to YouTube and be like, well, I can go the Pat McAfee route and just do my thing here. And I don't know if it, and he's also got Eagle FC, and you, you you already know how Khabib is. Khabib don't give up about nothing. Women's fighting, people beating up, and he don't care. So the commentator there, I mean, I mean, he still has a job somewhere, and I, I don't know where Eagle FC actually shows on TV. I, I should probably look that up. But I mean, in this time where there's so many other things. I mean, just YouTube itself. But you could throw it on Facebook, Twitter. You know, I don't know how Twitter works with the videos. I've had trouble putting clips of video of the of videos from this podcast on Twitter, so I I gotta figure that out. But monetization is on all these websites now. I mean, it's been on YouTube a while, but you can do it with Facebook videos now and the, the Instagram with the reels. Like, and he's a big enough name in MMA where he doesn't need. ESPN apps. And a lot of people have proved that lately. Dan Lebertard on from the radio side. You know, part you know, I'm not the biggest fan, but Jameel Hill carry champion. You know, they, they prove that you don't need ESPN. Because there's size everywhere. So I think ESPN put themselves in a bad spot by guilty before innocent. To where they could take some eyes off their TV because, you know, these, I mean, people are going to watch Kale for his analysts. I mean, people are going to find a way to watch Kale. And you, you might have just ruined, you know, what you already have is crappy UFC coverage on your network. You might take the best things of your UFC coverage off that network. And it's, I mean, this is, I mean, reading May stories now are crazy. It's not a, it's not like the, like the, the Jorge and Col, Colby thing. 
Go Jorge. Go George Mazadoff. You, you know, whether he sucker punched you or not, hey man, you brought up his kids, you brought up his wife. He knew where you were at, he found you. Boom. And at first it was all trying to play up. Like, it, if you read the police report, it says like plaintiff A and victim B and, you know, victim A or and plaintiff, you know, whatever. Aggressor A and victim A. It's easy to know who it is. And hey, go George Mazinoff on that one. Defend your family, bro. I'm not even mad at you for that. I sucker punch, not to call him a bitch, whatever you want to call him, George Mazinoff for doing that. You know that Colby's not that kind of guy. But he wants to talk like he's that kind of guy. Well, show him that he ain't that kind of guy. Prove to him who he is. Which in that situation is a punk. I mean, I don't care if you beat me in a case. You've talked about my family and stuff. Anytime I catch you, it's it's, it's time to see you. So, every time I see you, I'm coming to get all that smoke. Look at me using the kids' terms. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, I'm coming for you. Wherever I see you. Any chance I get to see you. You post on Instagram that you're in my hood, that you're close to me, that you're near where I'm at, I'm coming for you. That's your fault for doing it. So don't take all, don't take my heart lightly. Just because you got all this cocky stuff, you think you can go play around with my ex-wife and post all these videos and say that she said this and say that she said that? All right, we're going to see. We're going to find out. You know, and, you know, George wasn't the smartest guy getting on, you know, whatever he got on Instagram or whatever, bragging about it. You know, at the time, while he's trying to get his, in, his uh, fighting, the Game Bread Fighting Championship, a promoter's license in Vegas, and then he goes and does something like this in Miami. Which, hey, you didn't do it in Vegas, I guess. But yeah, I mean, that's, you know, not a, the biggest fan of Covington. Bigger fan of George. George kind of falling off his game a little bit. When you're getting older, that's what's going to happen. But if you're if you're Covington, you go out there and back it up. You go out there and back it up. And when you say something about someone's family, you got to back that shit up all the time. I mean, if someone says something about my, my, my family like that, you're going to have to back that up. And I'm talking about people I'm not even a fan of in my family. But I'm letting you know that you're going to have to back it up. And I'm letting you know that every time I see you. No matter where we are. I don't care if I'm standing next to the, to the President of the United States. Getting like the... Presidential Medal of Freedom or whatever they just randomly, the medals they just randomly hang out to people. If you're there getting one too, it's on. White House lawn and all. It's smart for, hey, he beat me in it with, he beat me in his element, which is one of the fights in the acting on lately. 
I took him out of his element and put him in how I started as a street fighter. Hey, sometimes you just got you got to make people uncomfortable. It's not always easy to win. And I'm sure after he gets charged and everything, this probably stops or, you know, someone stops, you know, Dana, like, hey, man, you know, you're hurting my money here. Which Dana's smarter than that. He'll promote it somehow. <laughs> he, he knows how to promote some stuff. I mean, that's, that's, that's the only reason the UFC is big is because Dana Knight knows how to promote it. The same reason why wrestling's big, because Vince McMahon knows how to promote it. And I mean the whole state of wrestling. I don't mean the WWE. I mean everything in wrestling is because Vince McMahon promoted it. Bellator and the uh, PFL and whatever league you're around is around because of the UFC and Dana White. So I'm sure that you know, Dana's going to say something and in about a few months from now, it's going to be a promotional thing. And I'm sure that the videos will be put in a promo package and all that and you'll have, you know, your last whatever they want to call this fight. Miami fight. My, you know, who might who's the winner in the Miami fight. Or, you know, they want to, I think Usman has, says he has the BMF title, however that works. You know, whatever they want to call it. The thrill in Las Vegas for all I care. You know, this probably isn't going to affect any of their careers. I mean, I think it makes Kobe look all bad in this situation. I don't know if the cops, if he called the cops or the cops were just around or someone else called the cops or anything like that. But sometimes you got to stop snitching. Like, sometimes you just got to say, you know, I don't know what happened. Because if you're about it, hey, and you want to do all that stuff with his wife and stuff, you'll catch him somewhere. If you're down there playing in Miami, you, you know where he... I'm sure you got somebody that knows Jorge or where he's going to win, where he hangs out. I mean, get your revenge. Do it the right way. Because they all got money and they got UFC lawyers, so I'm sure this all works out easily for Mazadol. And I, you know, I and I talk all this, you know, about being about my family and stuff. I'm sure if I got, you know, hit with some charges that first time, I'm probably done that second time. And maybe that's not true. People speed after getting speeding tickets. So some people aren't like that. And I really don't like getting tickets, though. I, I try to stay away from those. But I have to say I haven't gotten multiple tickets for stupid things. No insurance, plate light out. You know, it's something not very bright. One time I got a speeding ticket and couldn't find my ID, lost it somewhere, left it in my at work, something like that. Some stupid left it at home. Got pulled over about an hour later and I had to use the ticket as my ID. 
hey, how how good of a feeling can is that? <laughs> like, hey, you know, can you like give me a and you know the lady didn't give me a break. She wouldn't. Yeah. You know, she's like, maybe you should uh let your passenger drive. Who? I got a speedy who almost got us pulled over earlier today for flying in front of a cop. But, you know, we, he actually seen the cop. So it was a whole different story. <laughs> I didn't see the cops that came after me. But, yeah, I mean, you could say, you know, George Mazadoff is a punk for sucker punching him. But, you know, Kobe's a punk for talking to the police. So if you want to go 50-50 with that, that's there. But I'm against Kobe though. I'm gonna get some I'm against Kobe the whole way anyway. I keep wanting to say Kobe because I keep wanting to say our Kofi. So I keep wanting to say Covington. But I'm against him in the first place because I don't like him. And I'm more against him because he's out there telling Maslow's name to everybody. So I mean, maybe you know. You know, maybe this leads to a fight, and maybe, you know, hey, you know, sooner or later, cool heads will prevail. You know, sooner or later, one of these guys will be like, hey, you know, it's all good between us. You know, people do what they do. Or just keeps going on, and Dana gets promoted as long as he wants to make money off it. And it's a, don't, we're not done with UFC. <laughs> Conor McGregor. Was arrested for and his car receives for dangerous driving. His car was given back to him, and after he bought it out for fifteen thousand, what is dangerous driving? Is what I want to know. So like, and over here, like careless and approving driving, which essentially you're just weaving out of traffic or you're flying off exit ramps and just cutting the people off and stuff like that. I'm going to guess it's about the same thing or doing donuts. You know, it, it could be anything. This dude is wild, man. He's got to be one of the most. And I'm, I'm going to guess success gets to your head every now and then. But the dude is absolutely wild. Like, absolutely nuts. Like, sooner or later, like, you just got to be like, you know, I'm going to mellow out. I want to come back. I want to get this big fight. Or maybe he's just at a point in his life where he's like, I got to hype up everything. If I do this, oh, they, they lied on me. I can't. That was a horrible, horrible, horrible kind of McGregor question. We will never, ever, 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 ever do this again. Do that again on this show. But anyways, you know, maybe you just keep yourself relevant by just doing stupid stuff because how you were well up before you can't do right now because you broke your leg. And like every time he talks, he just he doesn't talk about fighting Porter A again. I'm coming back for the championship. I'm coming back for the championship. I'm coming back for the championship. Which I think kind of almost I and I know Dana loves him and he's the draw and everything, but he can draw. He's gonna draw no matter what. I mean, I think you gotta Make sure he fights for the championship. And not fight like he gets us his first fight. Like, he earns his spot to that championship. But money's money. And when he comes back, it's it's going to be one of your biggest draws out there. 
Because the UFC is kind of in a transitional period with their stars now. I know it's been going on for a while from the Matt Hughes to the GSPs into the the Diaz's in the McGregor era, but I mean, yeah, both Diaz's are about done. Connors doesn't have much longer to go. You've lost Cormier recently. Bisping was one of your latter guys out there. And they do have some smaller talent. Patty Pumlet, Sean O'Malley. They do have Israel Alessandra. So you still have some little bit of talent here and there. But they're also in a transitional period where, you know, like some of these divisions are kind of falling off. Like your biggest draw in the heavyweight division can't seem to win your championship. And your actual champion now is, you know, kind of fighting you on his contract and kind of wants to, you know, go do some other things that I don't think Daddy Dana's going to want him to do. But I guess they were just so packed so few, a few years ago with Cormier, you know, McGraver, Mazadoff, both the Diaz brothers, Khabib, Stipe, John Jones. I mean, you had a stacked lineup there for a while. And it's kind of just dwindling down. And, you know, in the UFC at some point, it's going to have to, you know, look at oh, what all these other leagues are doing to be like, man, we're going to, somewhere in there, you're going to have to start up and up fighter pay to make people stars. Because your big stars ain't fighting. The, your big attractions now aren't fighting the top guys because of what they get paid. And like I said, money's money. But, you know, you, you can, and you can go read into all the, the stuff that Jake Paul brings up and, you know, and, and you know, Dana's just not smart with telling everybody the numbers. Dana should just be like, you know, find them on your own. Like, oh no, the, you know, fire pay has gone up 200% since, you know, 2010 or whatever, you know, whatever he said. And then they go, well, revenues went up 6,000%. Or, you know, and like, Dana, just be like, fire's pay has gone up. You know, they know they, they negotiate their own contracts. You know, but he's just a loud mouth. And hey, I mean, that's how he's been doing it. That's how he's been successful. All four Dana White doing whatever he wants. That's why he's Dana White. Because he can do whatever he wants. You know, and he, of course he's going to defend himself. He's just one of them guys that I always, that I feel like is always trying to defend himself. Like, dude, you're almost a billionaire. Like, and, you know, I don't know how close he is, but you got a lot of money. Like, bro, you don't have to defend yourself anymore. You bought a dying sport and revived it and made it into one of the biggest things around the world. To where everybody's trying to get the UFC rub. You know, um, WWE. Uh, and now, you know, AEW with Paige Van Zandt. TNA's done it before, Impact Wrestling. You know, I'm talking wrestling promotions, nobody knows. But, 
I mean, he's created something different. I mean, the the you know how big the thing he promoted with McGregor and Mayweather was. I mean, you've done your thing, bro. You you know you ain't got. And I know you're just probably tired of the stupid questions at this point. So now you're just like, f it. I'm just gonna go out of here and I'm gonna, you know, wake these people up. I mean, it's okay to just, like mellow out once in a while. <laughs> Coming from me, it's, it's I, I'm gonna get on here every time I do a podcast and just complain about the Cardinals, which I, you know, you know, like that. No, there won't be. You know, I just wanted to complain twice in a row about Corey Dickerson and the the the, the Almighty King Harrison Bader, but. Got myself on track again. But Dana don't have to defend themselves. These people sign their own contracts, too. I mean, they know what they're getting paid. Now, I now with the Nagano situation, because he's a champ, and I guess in his contract, it says if you're the champ, you got to defend the championship. He's like, well, I'm not defending the championship until I get a raise. I mean, you're kind of at a point there for if you're, it, it, you're kind of, well, you have to pay him. Because it's not like with Vince, you know, it, it's funny to, to keep comparing this to wrestling. Vince, I mean, Vince had to do the Bret Hart situation, the Montreal screw job. So you guys don't, you know, look it up. Bret Hart didn't screw out the title because he was leaving for WCW, but didn't want to lose the title in Canada. And then again, with Jeff Jarrett leaving for WCW and having the Intercontinental title, but not, you know, working without a contract and be like, well, if you want me to defend this title, I need this money in hand. You know, and I need this much more money to do it because you let me go without a contract. You know, and not the guy is not without a contract because it's like, hey, I'm your champ. You know, I'll just hold on this belt. You can have interim fights and all that, but I'll still run around with it. I'll, you know, people are still going to say I'm the interim champ or not the interim champ, but I'm the UFC champ. Nobody's defeated me. Like if Khabib comes back, you can't see him coming back and not being in the first his first fight, not being for a championship fight because he's the champion. And whoever holds the title now, so I mean, I I think you kind of back yourself in that situation with Francis, but you know, the rest of these guys they sign the contracts, they know what they're getting paid. You know, and, you know, from some of the prices I see, I'm like, you know, that's a little weak. But I don't, you know, I don't know how they know how they're going to make, hey, you know, we pay you this and this for the fight, but we pay you this and this for wearing, you know, this, these clothing or promoting here, promoting there. You know, I just know what, hey, what, how much do they get to show up and how much they get to win. And I guess if you want more money, hey, Get a performance bonus. Like, and that's the only situation that is going to hurt Dana is a Nagano situation. Because you've seen, you know, the guy that draw, and you've heard about what Conor McGregor says. He gets paid. If you're Nagano, like, 
you know, I've been in kind of a, a draw like that. You know, I've beat my body up for this company, so I think, you know, maybe I should, you know, get some things up there. And I'm sure they get pay-per-view revenue and all that. You know, and I, I guess, you know, I'd rather have guaranteed money than know what what can and might not sell. You know, but I'd probably accept it because I've been poor my whole life. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it. For my Grandma Hicks, love you, Grandma. For Lori, Paul, and Grandma Bowles, RIP, love you guys. For Maddie, Jake, Zach, Rhiannon, and Joe, I'm Robert Bowles. This has been the Greater STL Sports Podcast on the all-new all SG4L Media Network.